radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys would put mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word fastest. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio with Pastor Thank you. Ryan Wolfmuller and Pastor Evan Gigline. Uh, so I have a uh, lightning round of Bible B for you by way of buzzword. Okay. So somewhere Ready. in the Bible, this word appears. It actually appears two times. Uh, but your one word clue is the word sting. Sting? Yeah, where does sting okay, appear in the Bible? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. That would be one. Um, death, where is your sting? Both of those, that's right there. Oh. Oh. That's a trick. Oh, death, where is your sting? So that's that's from Paul's great resurrection chapter 15, but he's quoting... The Old Testament. Uh, I see your trick there. I think it's a quote from Hosea. What is the book of Hosea? You are right. Uh, so, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Hosea 13, 14. Shall I ransom them wow. from the power of Sheol? Shall I redeem them from, the, from death? O death, where is your your thorns, O Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion That's will be great. hidden from my sight. So, there I, you go. These are great words. We speak these words in the in the burial service every time we go to the cemetery, and I love to look at the open, gaping hole of the grave mm. and say, O death, where is your sting? Yeah. I mean, it just goes back to the old illustration of the bee coming in the room. You remember that? The bee, yeah, I remember that. The bee, mm-hmm. the the bee story. Okay, well, I don't want to tell you again. <laughs> um, well, that's it, it, a shocking thing to hear because uh, otherwise, if not for the death and resurrection of Christ, death w- would be the most fierce pain there is to know. I mean. We know this, how hard death is to, to live through it uh, for, you know, loved ones when they when they when they die. And uh, here comes along a Christian promises. Hey, that that terrible thing, you know, is death. Eh, no big deal anymore. It's been defeated. It's been triumphed over. Now, there is uh, a couple more references to the word sting that is maybe irrelevant to what we're talking about. I want to see if you can get them. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. 
That's uh, from the revelation of Jesus. You got it. Wow. Well, too bad we're not playing Bible, but you would have gotten a lot of points there. Unfortunately, we're just doing buzzwords. So my buzzword for you is sting. Okay. Cool. Uh, my buzzword for you is here in the buzzword generator. I have the copy of the Doctrinal Theology, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, right here in my hands. You can pick a number between 1 and 650. 101. Okay. Good choice. Thank you. Let's see here. Um... This is under the Old and New Testament. Here's a quote from Gerhard. Gerhard. Without Johann Gerhard, how would we have theological buzzwords? I was thinking about all uh, over time the things people have called in. Do you remember when we had the opening liner with uh, Darren Lythan? Councilman Darren Lythan. Member of a council of a city in somewhere in Texas, I think. And... and and he was talking about oh, was something about not being very important. It's like his collection of table talk radio points. I bet there was a lot of head scratches at that meeting. Like, what? Darren Lathan has lost his marbles. Darren. Darren. Councilman Darren Lathan. It sounds like the guy who was announcing him sounds like, uh, who's that prank caller? Uh, oh. Roy Mercer. <laughs> this is Roy. <laughs> Don't watch Roy Mercer with the kids. Yeah. But that's okay. kind of funny. Anyway, uh, sorry. Johann Gerhardt says, The biblical books are distinguished into the books of the Old Testament and New Testaments. The books of the Old Testament are those which are written before the appearance of Christ, the books of the New Testament, which were written after the appearance of Christ, and addressed to the church. Uh, where observe that the books of the Old Testament are called such not because they do not manifestly contain anything of the substance, grace, and felicity of the New Testament promised through Christ to those believing in him, but because they predict and prefigure that as a future and to be fulfilled in due time, that which the New Testament is announced as complete. Well, that's nice, I suppose, but... How about this? Okay, here, this is, uh, here's a buzzword for you. This is from Chemnitz. Martin Chemnitz, who says, The canonical scriptures derive their chief authority mainly from the fact that they are divinely inspired, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures are inspired by God, breathed out by God, and useful for teaching and rebuking and training and, and correcting and training up in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. That's the verse. They came not by the will of man, but by the men of God both spake and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's First mm. Peter. So canonical scriptures, and this is nice because Chemnitz is refuting here mm -hmm. the idea of the Roman Catholic Church, which says, hey, we invented the Bible. <laughs> You like that Bible? We well, we invented it. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, that the Catholic Church is to the Bible, you know, like um, I don't know, like Ford is to the Model T. <laughs> like you like the Model T? Well, I invented it. <laughs> invented it isn't a word. I just invented it. Invented it. Remember that. It's invented. So canon. Now here, Kemden says, you know why the books of the Bible are in the Bible? Because God inspired them. I mean, that that, that text to uh, Timothy um, from Paul is, is instructive in that. So that he says, you receive our word not as words from men, but as it is words of God. So uh, Timothy didn't need a a pope or a council to convene before regarding the epistle from Paul 
as God's word. It just inherently was because it came from Paul's writing and Paul was an apostle. Um, mm-hmm. So that we, so they want to put it the other way to say, yeah, the apostles wrote and all, and that was fine, but it uh, is God's word because the church has deemed it to be God's word. So they, they could have like accidentally, I mean, they wouldn't say this, but to make the point, they could have accidentally got in one of Aesop's fables in the bunch and <laughs> It would be these epistles of Paul and Aesop's fables as God's word. Why? Because the church said so. I mean, so it's just completely backwards. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, but it, um, don't get me started. These guys. <laughs> you might find yourself on some more podcasts if you go off on that. Don't mention, don't run Roman Catholic Church around Pastor Wolfmother. He'll go off. He'll go off. <laughs> okay. Well, buzzwords that So what is my buzzword again? Canon. Canon. Okay, got it. All right. So, uh we're going to do some Ten Commandments in the news, I think. I think you got a story over there, Pastor Wolf Miller. Okay. Here it is. Ready for this one? Let me pull it up on my old phone. It says uh let me just flip off the wordle. Oh. So your computer is downstairs and you're upstairs? Is that the arrangement here? That's right. That's right. I got it. Good so idea. I got it on my phone here. Good idea. Uh, this is from the Telegraph UK. Becoming. Mm, here's the t- the what's it called? The That's headline. What it's called headline. Becoming transgender, a sacred journey of becoming whole, says ex Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, <laughs> I might say becoming, that you're becoming less whole. <laughs> Just. <laughs> going out there a little bit uh becoming transgender is a quote sacred journey of becoming whole w-h-o-l-e the former archbishop of canterbury has said as the government's u-turn on conversion therapy sparked a boycott of its lgbt conference Lord William of Ostermouth. So this is the big thing in this whole thing is uh, the conversion therapy, which maybe we can talk about. But I'm interested in the idea of wholeness here because I, I got something. Lord Williams of Ostermouth. That sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> Lord Williams of Oystermouth made the comments in a letter to the Prime Minister along with a number of senior bishops urging him to ban trans as well as gay conversion therapy calling it, quote, a wrong-hearted notion of care. Wrong-hearted. He said, quote, Conversion to Christianity is the event or process by which a person responds joyfully to the glorious embrace of the eternal, eternally loving and ever-merciful God. It has nothing to do with so-called conversion therapy, pressure put by one person on another to fit their expectations. The attempt to induce vulnerable and isolated people to deny who they truly are. To be trans, this is the money sentence here. To be trans is to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole, precious, honored, and loved by yourself, by others, and by God. Whoa. All right. Let's let's pause right there. I'll be right back and we'll discuss that. Wow. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. 
Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can f- sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Welcome back to Tran. You ready for this? Yep. To be trans is to enter a sacred journey of becoming whole, precious, honored, and loved by yourself, by others, and by God. Woo! All right. I think there's uh, I think there's some different worldviews going on here. What do you think, Master Waldmuller? <laughs> so we we pointed out in a previous episode, I believe, about the pagan roots of transgenderism, which mm-hmm. is uh, exciting stories to tell. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. great. Uh, but I, so I've been trying to I've been on a bit of a sacred journey myself, trying to figure out what is the spiritual energy, uh, what is the spiritual power behind this whole dealio and uh or delia i suppose or dlx delio would be intrinsically masculine i think delio <laughs> and so i because i want to know I, i'm interested in uh, dealing with people as r- people redeemed by christ and so and, and so i'm i'm wondering what what is the what's this thing when when a man says you know i instead of thinking i'm a man i'm i'm going to be a woman okay and and acknowledging that this can't happen like if you put humanity on two mountains like all the ladies are on that mountain over there and all the guys are on the mountain over there to be trans is to meet in the valley in between and to be neither <laughs> you can't climb the other mountain hmm. right you can just go down. You can just come to a common denominator, which I think is is there in this X business. Remember how now you can put an mm. X on your passport? Mm-hmm. I, I'm neither male nor female. I'm just a human being, which reminds me of what people always say. They say, well, I'm not Baptist or Methodist or Catholic. I'm just a Christian. Mm. Like it's this, I'm going to, I'm going to transcend all boundaries. I'm neither male nor female. I'm human male or what <laughs> just human. I'm just a human. Right? Now, now, now. That is a very interesting thing. That's what that's what this headline says, right? Being being trans is a is a journey to wholeness. A- and the assumption there is that being a man or being a woman is not being whole. And that's right. That's it's actually true. And and, and I think until the, those of us, I'm just going to assume that most listeners to Table Talk Radio, most are probably not struggling with something like we would identify as gender dysphoria or something like this. So, so this whole thing is a bit confounding. Like, what are you doing? Well, who knows? Well, I mean, I, I mean, people people deal with these things. Um, yeah, but that's right. yeah, go ahead. But to to kind of sink into the into the temptation is to recognize that if I'm sitting here as a as a as a man, I I am only my me is only part of humanity. I I am I am not the lady part of humanity. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Of humanity. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a con, it's a so at best you can only be half the pie. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and at some point, that is a weakness. It's a it's a, it points out that I need another. Here's where it mm-hmm. came across in the Bible, when God looks at Adam and says, "It's not good for man to be alone." Do you see the old the old Gnostics thought that man that Adam was good because he was whole and even androgynous. He was man and woman in himself. And the fall happened when he was pulled apart into into Adam and Eve. This is the the Gnostic idea of the of the single human, the monad, the one and and that 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 humanity is divided up into a is bifurcated is now what they would consider as part of the fall. It but it it is true that it's not good if for a man to be alone. It's there's a there's a not goodness in my maleness and a not goodness in my femaleness, which is it's not a sin, of course, but it's a it's a weakness and a need. And if I'm wrestling, and I think that that weakness or that incompleteness or that I'm only half of the pieness shows up in my conscience especially if i'm wrestling through identity issues or thinking of myself in the world and trying to wrestle through my place in it that shows up as a guilt mm. and the way to overcome that guilt is to try to then to to transgress the boundary between the male and the female to step over that distinction or to destroy that distinction to say that I can't be in myself uh, both male and female or neither male nor female I can be just human so that this idea that that I'm on a a sacred journey of wholeness I think is exactly right exactly right even if most people who are struggling with this have no idea that there's even a spiritual impulse behind it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, interesting. I, and I think you bring up a, a great point. Um, now, what my my reaction on the story that you were reading was on this banning or changing so-called conversion therapy. Did it use that phrase? Uh, yes. So, uh, so I suppose in the history of these things, um, there's been maybe Christians who have uh, employed practices that are not good or helpful um, in uh, talking to people who, you know, be it through about homosexuality or gender transphoria, things like that. Um, But there is also a helpful practice for someone to um, have feelings that they identify to be contrary to the word of God and to seek help in the midst of the feelings that they're going through. And to want to find a counselor, what have you, to say, work through this with me. I mean, maybe not that far different from someone who has an alcohol or a drug addiction saying, you know, this um, inclination that I have is something that I want to change and I need help in doing that. So they go talk to someone who's going to help them. But I I think the mistake that we've adopted, um, and this happened a long time ago, is the assumption that uh, things that are secular can be neutral. So we want to 
have a society where all religions are accepted. So we can't take a Christian worldview or a Muslim worldview or a Jewish worldview uh, in the realm of society, in the realm of, say, healthcare or whatever. We're going to be uh, agnostic to anyone's religion. And the assumption is that we can then help people apart from any kind of values. The problem is that we, that we, the pill that we've swallowed is to think that the, the secular world does not have its own value system. And the right. moment it's that religion. it yep. yeah, puts itself forward as being scientific, uh, but that training has been under the guise that we are not creations of God, that we're, that we, right. that, that man is not made in the image of God. So how can you then set out to help anyone void of any religious flavor without understanding that we are a creation of God. So now you have people say, well, so-called con conversion therapy, which is any kind of therapy that would help people um, uh, say, I, I do not want to follow after these impulses that I feel on the inside. Well, now that's illegal. And it's with the value system that there's something else inside of you that you should that you should pursue and become whole with. And it's a, it's a spiritual journey. And that is not strikingly scientific, I've noticed. <laughs> right. right. Well, I, I think there's probably some really nasty things that happened under the guise of conversion therapy, yeah. like some of the shock therapy. Yeah, that. so I think that's the reaction. Yeah. Cruelty. But what if, what, what if I invented a hormone that could change the way you think? Like, would that be accessible? Would that be acceptable? Like, here, take this hormone and you'll think differently. I think that would be, no, no, you can't do that. But how in the world, how in the world is taking hormones to change, like, so that a lady can have a beard, how is that not conversion therapy? Yeah. You're converting your face. Yeah. Into a dude's face. So it's, it's very strange. Or what if this, like, what if... So here's what I wonder in these all these conversion therapy bands. What happens when there's a straight kid who goes to the counselor and is like, you know, I really like the opposite sex, but all my friends are gay, and I just wish I was gay. Could you help me to be gay? <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be illegal? Yeah. I doubt it. Right. I mean, it is. I don't know. But it just seems like this is a it's a it's a one way th thing. It's a rebellion against well, it's a rebellion against the created order, especially as um, as articulated in in the traditional, but in the Christian view of marriage, mm. that there's a man and a woman, and that the whole point of the man woman thing is to is to have children, and there we find our wholeness in another again this is the point it's in another so so that we the, the the that there's an intrinsic weakness that god has built into our createdness it's not even it's not part of the fall i mean even before the fall into sin adam and eve needed each other and they also needed by the way fruit from the trees to live they weren't like these you know nuclear submarines that would just perpetually go on without even eating they they, we always are being drawn outside of ourselves, and and this is a rebellion against that need of something other. 
All right, let's take a break. I want to continue this conversation a bit more. Right after this, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. There isn't a way in the English language to indicate we are using the singular you. But thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, okay, so I, when we talk about these matters, we're always doing, um, whether we realize it or not, a little kick the dog, comfort the child. So we we react to these things, um, particularly as the news and figures talking in the news or culture, all that's around us. Um, we're reacting to those things as as people or forces that are trying to form your thinking. <laughs> so we want to offer the the biblical response to uh, this bad way of thinking, this, uh, this other worldview. Um, and at the same time, there's maybe a different way that we would approach it should someone come into a pastor study and, and to say, I'm working through these things, pastor, please help me. Now, I, I, do, I, I do want to still stay here a bit on the, on the former because here you have this bishop or cardinal or whomever who has said that this this transgender process is a sacred journey. Um, and I, I'm interested in your thoughts there, Pastor, um, because it seems like we have become so narcissistic <laughs> to think that if there's something inside of me that says I'm I'm something else than what the the body I have resembles, then this is some kind of a sacred path of dis- of discovery when it is i mean there's <laughs> there's nothing more more narcissistic than than saying i'm going to discover something else inside of me that is not true of my created body w- what are your thoughts on that well so remember that the lord created us with a sort of an embedded angst <laughs> and augustine says it like this uh our souls are are at are uh, restless until they find rest in thee so the the neediness of each individual is a is a help from god to draw us to himself and and when we it could be narcissism or it could just be well, I, narcissism is probably a fine thing to find, but th- this idea that that I can be whole without anyone or anything else, that idea, the very pagan idea, it's very wrong. But once that idea gets a hold of you, then then now you, you are on this hero journey uh, yourself. And, and you could call it sacred. I think it is sacred because you become your own god. Hmm. And you are engaged in your own activity of self-creation. And part of that activity of self-creation is to overcome any sort of distinctions that are there as part of God's creation. 
it's an it's, a, it's an act of anti-creation and so the the um and so this this idea that i can i can find wholeness in myself it's it's wrong it's 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 one of the things i mean you you can think of the devil tempting adam and eve in the garden you can be like god in need of nothing else in need of no one else you can be human all of humanity you can be whole well look you can't be i can't be wholeness is not a thing that a human being can achieve <laughs> uh and and we should be able to recognize that and say okay well so what does that mean that i cannot be whole because we weren't made to be whole we, we were we were made to be half <laughs> we were made to be born we were made to to eat we were made for, we're not, not we're not made self-sufficiency right we're yeah, yeah yeah and and so the whole the whole attempt to to have self-sufficiency either physical or emotional or spiritual or internal is uh it's like looking for a perpetual motion machine it just doesn't exist so and it, sorry, and it's a destruct and, and it's a destructive path then so if I'm chasing after wholeness, I mean the only way I uh, the the only way I can eventually achieve it is through probably suicide. I mean, that that's a path that ends in despair. I can I, you can only cut off so many things, and then there's and there's a duality and a neediness that goes all the way down, and then at some point, I, there's the, the only way I can achieve this pagan ideal is by joining uh, joining the whole. The, I can, I just, I send my atoms to the dust. Very interesting. Uh, so, so is it, is it overstating it to say that um, part of, now what we're talking here is kind of the spiritual underpinnings of, of what goes on. So for someone who is struggling with uh, gender dysphoria, that they're ad identifying in themselves an insufficiency of their, of their, um, of their self because they can only be half of the human human race's gender and rather than seeking that in um, a partner of the opposite sex where where you have to sacrifice yourself you know yield your will to another uh, you know love th these kinds of things that a person seeks that other half really in the in the self uh, where you where you don't have to sacrifice yourself for another, but you you try to fulfill that other half with you. Is that kind of what you're saying? I I think so. Now, so we have three problems for being able to confirm this theory. But okay. one of them is that because this is so celebrated now that you can't have a real conversation about what's really going on. You know, you can't admit that this is any sort of trouble at all. And number two, it's also so celebrated that I think it's probably confused. I, I, I don't think that that this realization would be there in um, in a lot of these conversations. It's more like acceptance. This is the this is the weird thing is you have to accept me. But I, I think that's actually not right. I, I I I do not think that this if someone is if someone is trying to go for acceptance, there it, there's something different there. Um, the, the similar thing for like the gay couple that wants to be married 
they're, they're, they're actually moving away from what it means to be gay by pursuing marriage. And the two things are in conflict with one another. So the same thing that the, with the transgender person that wants to be accepted, there's something going on there that, uh, there's two sort of strains of thought that are in conflict with one another because part of the part of the allure of it is this kind of ability to 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 transgress boundaries which sets me apart and and if that's not noticed then it kind of doesn't do it do its its thing so so i i think it's um i think it's very difficult to sort of get to the to the bottom of of what's motivating people individually but for us so so for christians kind of looking in somewhat from the outside but i mean it's not so far to realize this is not so far from each one of us um that uh uh well so so paul brings it up in romans chapter one when he's talking about um the worship of creation the connection between the worship of creation and homosexuality especially their well, both male and female homosexuality, is that you blur the distinction between the creation and the creator by worshiping the creation. And that idolatry, that act of work, the, 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 which idolatry of the blurred distinctions shows up in our own identity and sexuality of blurred distinctions, which is not that far to get to the blurred, so you blurred the distinction between man and woman in the in marriage so then you blur the distinction between man and woman in identity and so so there's this there's this kind of connection between destroying these distinctions but but what motivates the destruction of those distinctions is that i i have this angst of being apart from all the things i'm apart from being apart from god being apart from the rest of humanity being apart from all these other things. And so here's where the gospel comes in and where the Lord says, look, uh, it's you and I are, you and I are, dis there's a distinction between you and me. And yet, look, I'm your brother. So, so the hope comes not for identifying wholeness in, in myself, but in identifying that God has joined himself to me. I have not ascended to heaven, but Christ has come down. So that the incarnation is the anti-transgender. <laughs> Did you see? It's, yeah. the, it's the Lord, and he's not blurring the distinction, but he's joining himself to us to save us. But apart from that, this is, then now it just sends me scrambling, inventing my own, inventing my own wholeness which is not something I can actually ever achieve. Hmm. Well, uh, th there's a lot of implications then um, on the matter of spiritual care. Uh, so there's there's maybe people who uh, maybe have have this struggle, and um, I don't know about you, Pastor. But I think I think my starting point as a pastor is to say, well, what can we agree upon on the basis of Scripture? Because uh, if we can, if we can agree that, hey, look, the, God makes us male and female; He created them uh, from Genesis. Then we can say that that this distinction is a godly distinction. And if we can start there, then we can identify that maybe any uh, inner feelings that I may be having are in contradiction to the Scripture. Um, that's, I think, the, the the starting point for 
place for a Christian. Um, so we're, we're, where a Christian would approach this, who even might be having uh, struggles and her struggles on these things, we can say, look, God says this about me, and that's what I go with, even if that is in contradiction to the way that I feel. And like you said, that's not that far from the rest of us because we're all we're all in that way. We, we, we are submitting our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions to the Word of God. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. It's really classy up here. Table Talk Radio will be right back. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Pastor Wolfmuller reminded me during the break that the game we're playing is Ten Commandments in the News. So uh, are there Ten Commandments at play here, Pastor Wolfmuller? <laughs> there are. I, you know, the main thing that's at play, though, is the first article. I believe in God, yeah. the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Because this is all this kind of Gnostic, pagan, monistic, spiritual reimagining of creation. and So these creation distinctives between God and creation, between human and the rest of creation, between man and woman, these are... The, 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 it's the idolatry of the blurred line between all of them. And mm. so we, we, the, the, the hope is when we can confess, I believe that God has made me. And that's great. That's the, mm. um, that's the thing that matters, actually. So, mm. uh, Well, uh, I think there, there, there's a segue to our next topic. I want to talk about um, this bill being, uh, I don't know if it's, where it is in the legislative process in California, but AB 2223 conservatives are saying it decriminalizes infanticide. And, and I think the segue here is, you know, when when uh, we seek our uh, so, so the way that God has created things that male and female and, and the union produces new life. And so when um, when the devil would want to pervert that that uh, creation of God, then then a godless society wants to give people the right to end that new life from coming forth from that union. It's a it's a it's a crazy thing. Um, so there's this there's this bill in California that conservatives are saying it decriminalizes infanticide. And the response to that assertion has been um I mean, it's just been, you know, you, you see all like the Washington Post articles saying fact check. It does not decriminalize infanticide. And so there's a debate even what the bill is about, much less whether it should pass or not. And um, there's this clip here I thought was helpful in explaining uh, why uh, those on those who oppose this bill uh, are asserting that it would have the effects of infanticide. This is uh, attorney Susan Arnell. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Keller with California Family Council, and we just finished the hearing for AB 2223 inside the Assembly Judiciary Committee. And I'm joined outside with attorney Susan Arnall from the Arnall. Right to Life League of Central California. Susan, thank you so much for being here and all your hard work on this bill. I'm really glad to be here. We have to focus on what they're trying to do. They're trying to extend abortion rights past birth. They're trying to legalize infanticide by adding a term into the long list of things like stillborn, miscarriage, abortion. They add in the word 
perinatal, and that is an already defined term. It means from point of birth to at least a month later, and that's where the trouble is with this bill. All right, so that's that's the rub. Um, so, so what it's trying to do then is it's so-called decriminalize um, that a mother could be penalized if she is the cause of uh, her unborn baby's. Um, uh, death. So uh, the, you, we were talking off air, and you brought up the point that if, you know the mother did something that you know the father could come and say, "Hey, uh, you killed our our baby." Uh, California is trying to remove that um, possibility that she cannot face any charges for doing anything like that. But the word that they add here then extends it even beyond the point of birth. Perinatal. I was thinking the other day that. There should be a website that just shows like a cute baby picture every day. And that is basically our politics, you know? <laughs> I mean, the whole, the, like, so I was talking to someone the other day. They're wrestling with some, uh, I don't even, let's see, let me say this very, as abstractly as possible. But so probably some uh, same sex kind of things. And it would say, well, well, you got to get over that because you get then you, so you can, you know, be a parent. <laughs> I don't mm. want to say if it's a, a guy or girl or anything. But, right, right. You know, it's like the, 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 this idea of, of, of the baby is the there's like the compelling vision of creation. And there's nothing cuter than a baby. And everything that we're fighting for in, in all the cultural wars is either you can have baby or not. So is the, the that's the abortion question? That's this perinatal? Good, what a heathenish kind of thing. But or, isn't but isn't that uh, similar to what we were talking about before? Because um, you know, n nothing nothing maybe nothing makes you realize how selfish you are until you become a parent. <laughs> right. Right. So, so I mean, all of all of all of these things that we're talking about are showing look, look the what what we are to do as as uh, people whom God has created is to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others. And we have to do that as parents. We have to do that as, as spouses. And so what it seems like the world wants to rid itself is the necessity to love. We're more centered on self-love than loving someone else. And so all those institutions right. that would demand us love other people like marriage and, and children, <laughs> those things should, should be gotten rid of. Right. That's right. It, t it takes us back to this idea. I mean, because all of us were babies at some point, you know, we're thanking the Lord that all of our parents were heteronormative, at least for a few minutes, you know. <laughs> uh, and and this is the this again is the universal vocation that all of us have is that we're ch we are the children of a man and a woman that I mean, even if they died or whatever, never met them. That's that's how we are. So the first commandment, with the first place that the Lord addresses us as a neighbor is as a child, which is amazing that the fourth commandment isn't parents take care of your kids, mm -hmm. but children honor your father and your mother. That's, for, that's everybody. And, and, and that God himself is a baby. You know that when the Lord gives the first promise, he gives it to the devil in the garden, the seed will crush your head, and the devil now has his venom and his ire focused on the seed, on every baby, and every plot of the devil is against the is against the seed because it's the that's there at the at the very beginning, the very first gospel. So we see all these attacks on on babies, and 
we should not be surprised. We should not be surprised. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, um, what do you think about Ten Commandments on this one? Well, there's the the whole murder question. Oh yeah, there's Probably that one. Fifth Commandment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's the Sixth Commandment, Fifth Commandment connection: adultery and murder. How they often go together. Remember King David. Uh, so, and how most often abortion is comes after. This is not normally the result of father and mother. I mean, of a husband and wife. Although I guess it's more and more. I, I someone sent me the statistics the other day that more and more husband and wives are aborting their children because they think it's going to diminish the quality of life for their hmm. other children. Hmm. Quality of life. That's seventh commandment. That's a uh, materialism. And uh, the idea that a, uh, no life is better than a bad life, which is also idolatry. All of this is idolatry. First commandment. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, they, they have the protests going on outside these courthouse or not courthouses, the the legislative buildings, you know, Capitol buildings. Uh, I'm thinking about the picket sign that says, I am a child of a man and a woman. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, look at that and guy. And so are you. <laughs> What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> that guy, what a freak. <laughs> All right, we have two and a half minutes I mean, left here, Pastor. You, you, you know, this, I mean, again, this part of our, our, our identity, I am of parents. And the two becoming one, you know, if you want wholeness, to, to the first part, if you want wholeness, the two become one. It happens in the gift of children. I mean, according to creation, spiritual wholeness happens only by the forgiveness of sins. But according to the order of creation, it's it's now another. And my own, how about this? My own wholeness is not me. <laughs> it's from <laughs> my it's it's of me it's in there in my children if i want to see my oneness with my wife it's with carrie it's there in the kids mm -hmm. so even that wholeness is apart from us so so i i've uh, uh uh so even that is being fought against here in the in the in the whole abortion thing Ugh, goodness mm -hmm. yeah what a mess we've found ourselves in yeah um yeah, I mean, so so ch children are one of those things that show forth the, the uh, continuing continuing uh, care of God, right? I mean, <laughs> if God if God was not involved, um, uh, it's just the 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 miracle of a, of a child being born is, is a reflection of that. Is all I'm trying to say. So, um, yeah. so it seems it seems obvious that. Um, when we're putting ourselves, when we're making ourselves God, then we think that we should be entitled to end the new life that comes as a result of uh, a one flesh union, a man, woman uh, coming together as God, God had designed it. So we're, we're yeah. destroying the design of God, or at least we think we are. Well, God be praised that he is not a stranger to our weaknesses or our temptations or our troubles or our sins, but that he took on our flesh and blood to destroy death and that he's still chasing after i mean we are a culture that is running as fast as we can away from the goodness of god but jesus is still a faster runner hmm. and he's still catching us you know he's still catching his own people claiming him calling us going after us redeeming us no it, it, it we, we that we cannot out sin his uh, his suffering it's just really wonderful so God, we're in the mess but Jesus 
as a surprise to him, and he's still coming to bless. Yeah, indeed. All right, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where we rejoice that death has lost its sting. Nice. And... Thanks for listening to this edition of Table I Talk to Radio. Shooting some, Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. <laughs> Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.